take a moment and just pray. Father, thank you that you are present, you are here, and we have this moment to meet you here. So Holy Spirit, open up our hearts. Open up our eyes. Father, tear down anything that is hindering what you want to speak and do today. Because Lord, not only do we want to meet you here this morning, we want to leave changed because you met us. So just be present in our hearts and minds and speak, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. We are now in Matthew's Gospel, and uh, two weeks ago or so we start talking about where Jesus called the apostles to follow him, and when he said, come follow me, I'll make you what? Fishers of men. And, and what that means to become a fisher of men, that there's this action involved as being a follower of Christ. And then he continued last week, and I talked about this, the, the, the simple way for servant evangelism, or, or what that is, and that we've overcomplicated the thought of what the word evangelism means. And uh, I talked about that evangelism actually just starts with a conversation. From a conversation, it leads to trust, and from trust leads to conversion, that people build that trust in a relationship with us and then begin to transform their lives as a result of meeting who Christ is. And Jesus brings the disciples along the way and they come follow him and he's making them fishers of men. He brings them up to the mountain, gives a sermon on the mount in Matthew chapter 5 and he gives these eight beatitudes or these eight blessings or virtues to live by. And in those virtues, what he taught 2,000 years ago was very counterculture. It's still very counterculture today. If you read them and realize that, that this is what he's calling us, it's what a kingdom understanding of being a Christ follower looks like. And he's still teaching his disciples, and he goes on for more of what that looks like to be a disciple today. And in the process of Jesus' teaching, he always used parables. He would use metaphors. He even used humor. But you have to read between the lines to find the humor. But he does use humor, and humor it would, it would have made sense to them, and I'll share that with you shortly. But we see these metaphors of salt and light and a city on a hill and, 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 and what that means, and how does that relate to us? How does that reflect to us? Well, starting in Matthew 5.13, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Now, if I turn to you, if you go up to a friend today and turn around and say, hey man, you're the salt of the earth. Did you know that? Then they'll say, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> but to them, it made sense. They, they got it. The metaphor works. And this is why the metaphor works. Salt was used for seasoning, purifying, and preserving. It seasons, it purifies, it preserves. Salt was a commodity, and it was traded, and it was used as a wage. It had high value. The word salary comes from a Latin word, salarium. Sal in salarium actually means the word salt, and it literally means salty money. The salarium was money that was paid to Roman soldiers. I and mean, they, they used to purchase salt and other valuable items. And they would actually pay the Roman soldiers in salt. So those of you who are employing people or go to your employer next Friday and when you go to get paid and he hands you a bag of salt, see how that goes over. <laughs> Thanks. That's 
$2 worth of salt. Really appreciate it. But we don't, we don't make that, that connection. But to them, they made that connection. It was, it was valuable. It was, Deacon John was telling me earlier that, that the Roman soldiers prepare, would rather be paid in salt because they would dilute gold. And they would dilute that money in other ways that they can do that. But salt, as soon as you put your finger in it and touch it to your tongue, you knew it was real salt. And you knew its value. And it couldn't be devalued because it was of what its very purpose it was made for. So there was this incredible value that salt seasons, it purifies, and it preserves. And, and they would know that, that, that salt was not just another table condiment, but it was incredibly valuable to them. So when he says, you're the salt of the earth, it means something different. And we should understand what that means. When Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, what he's saying to us still, and what he was saying to them at that point in time, he's saying you're valued, that you have a purpose, and you have a greater meaning in your life. You're salt of the earth. I value you. You have a purpose. There's a greater meaning in your life. And I don't know if, about you, but I think often for all of us, we ask that question at some point in our life, or sometimes we're still figuring it out. And I don't think we ever fully get there. But we're figuring out what is my purpose? What is why am I put on this earth? Jesus says to be salt. That there's a value in your life, that, that there's a purpose in your life, a kingdom purpose that's greater. And, and, and if you understand this, you can begin to live in this kingdom purpose. And he goes on in, in, in the same teaching, and he says that if salt loses its flavor, it's what? Useless. Because its very purpose was to season, purify, and to preserve. That's, salt has one job. Do your job, salt. If salt doesn't do its job, what's its purpose? You know, I think men and women go food shopping very differently. Yeah. <laughs> For men, we look at it as a sport and a challenge. Our goal is to get in and get out and break the time we made the last week if we helped. That it's, it's literally, you ready kids? Go! And you hit those aisles, you know where things are, you throw them in the cart and then you, 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 you get down real fast, you look for the shortest line and Lord forbid someone needs a price check in front of you. We lose our Christianity and then... Then you stand on the line and you stand there and you start looking at the other lines. Which one's moving? Which one's going? So you back out. I'm going in this one. And then they've got a problem. No, Lord. Lord, help me on self-checkout. There's always something wrong at self-checkout. They're not making my life easier. Men and women shop really differently. At least I do. I don't know. Some women probably have that same desire. My mom was like that. My mom... Four kids, she could shop with two baskets and do it all in like 20 minutes. She'd run through the aisles throwing things in. And the reason is we ate the same exact thing every week. There was nothing new. This, this, and this. I didn't know there was other meats for lunch that didn't come in an Oscar Mayer package that were ham, bologna, and cheese. I ate that for like 18 years. Then I get married one day, and we're going food shopping, and I looked in the deli section, and I'm like, what's that? He's like, turkey. I'm like, really? <laughs> what's that? Chicken. Really? 
We go back to that. He's like, yeah, what kind of turkey? Honey maple turkey? <laughs> Sriracha chicken? <laughs> Off with $600 worth of cold cuts. <laughs> My mom knew exactly where, but she'd zip through and she could load those up and, and you just held on the cart as your mom pulled you down the aisle because it was all business. She worked a full-time job, this, we're getting this done. But that's how I was trained. And you go through, you get it done, you grab that stuff and you go. And you get home and you put it on the counter. And then you start putting things away. And some of you, I know what you do, you cheat. You open stuff up while you're still in there, right? You're still eating the stuff as you get through. Well, when you get home, you gotta open a little bit of everything because now it's all new and we gotta try everything. So you get home, you pull out the pretzels and you open up the bag of pretzels, you take a bite and what happens? Salt-free. I've been deceived. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Salt, what am I going to do with this bag of salt-free pretzels? And if you ask me, there should be a little aisle. Everything salt-free goes in one spot. Don't put that around the shopping center. I'm not reading the fine print. I just want the thing I know I get. And you tricked me. And you put that in there. And Come home with those salt-free pretzels or salt-free peanuts or salt-free popcorn. And don't you dare try to convince me otherwise. It's useless. <laughs> I've tried to salt it. I've sat there and throw it. It doesn't stick. It's just useless. You dip it in chocolate or bacon. I don't know. You got to dip it in something to get some kind of flavor back. And so when Jesus says that that we would understand that, it, that, that when salt loses its flavor, it's good for? That's how we can understand that. That, that, that. that what good is this to me? Jesus uses salt as this metaphor to describe the very purpose of his followers. This is what he means by salt. To be salt means to deliberately and continually show the unconditional love of Christ through your good deeds. That, that, that deliberately and continually show. And what I mean by the good deeds is how we love and how we serve one another. How we salt one another. How we, how we season, how we purify, how we preserve one another. That, that's what it's called, this unconditional love that we're called to have and how we show that love and how we serve one another. In Matthew 20, 28, Jesus says this, just as the Son of Man did not come to be Served, but what church? To serve. And to give his life for a ransom for many. That we're called to, to participate. That we're called to be part of that. That we're called to serve. And salting is how you participate. When we're called to season the lives of those around us, that, that those that we encounter each and every day, and we can tell those that we encounter, do you know you are cherished? Do you know that you are valued? Do you know that you are loved by God? Yes. That's bringing salt into someone else's life. Amen. That we come and we, we can share that. And Jesus says you are that salt of the earth and that you bring that into others' lives. What would it look like if, if we practiced that, if we, we literally were doing that? Now, I've been talking about there's a great difference between being a spectator and a participator. And I think the problem, what happened in the church today, right now, is that we've gotten used to just being spectators. 
that we just want to be continually entertained with things, and that we forget that Jesus, what he was teaching his disciples, was not just information that they would hear and take hold of, but it's information that they would hear that would transform their lives and that they would participate with. That, that a fisherman, a fisher of men would go. That when he called you to follow him was to go. That your salt of the earth, it has a purpose. A purpose, a value. And, and to bring that into others' lives and, and to turn to someone and tell them, do you know you're cherished by God? Do you know you were created in his image and he loves you? And he loves you unconditionally. And there's nothing you can do to separate you from the love of God. There's nothing you can do because he loves you. We get, we get to salt someone's life by sharing that, that you're valued, that you have a purpose, loved by God. He goes on in Matthew 5, 14, he says, not only are you salt of the earth, he says, but you're a light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And light has various purposes, but here's three. Light extinguishes darkness, doesn't it? It gives warmth. And light actually causes growth. John 8, 12 says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but what, church? But have the light of life. I am the light of the world. John's gospel, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Here in Matthew, he's saying that to those who are following him, he's giving this incredible teaching. And he went from, I am the light of the world, he says, you are the light of the world. Jesus is saying, you are my light. That I am the light of the world, but you are. That you're called to participate in this. That those in the light of Christ will no longer walk in darkness, but now have this light of life. This light of life that is a life of abundance, a life that's eternal. That's what the light is about. And in Matthew 5.15, he goes on, he says, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand and give it light to all to see, for all who are in the house. Now what you have to understand is the Son of God was being funny. This is where he used humor, but we don't get the joke. You ever do that? Someone tells you a joke and you go, ha, yeah, I didn't. I. Or you laugh and you ask your friend next to you, what did that mean? I didn't get the joke. They got the joke. They got it when he told this joke. Because if a time 2,000 years ago, you lived in a house. You didn't have an electric switch. You lived in a one room. And, 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 and when you lit a lamp, it had a purpose. That lamp was to extinguish the darkness. And it was in one room. And when you would light that lamp, it would light the room. It would bring light so you could see. And, and they would fully understand that. So when Jesus says that, that, that you don't light a lamp and put it under a basket, they were like, ah, oh, that's hysterical. Who would do that? That's ridiculous. So, you know, we have cell phones now. It's like the modern day Swiss army knife of technology, right? You remember you used to have a GPS, a camera, a phone. You'd have everything, now it's like all in one. It's amazing. You can do all, you can find out where you're going, you can take pictures while you're driving, you can, no, I'm just kidding. You, 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 have, you have the phone there, and then it actually has a little tape measure now on there, and you can actually measure things. It's, it's crazy. You can actually have a tape measure, measure a room with your phone. 
and has a flashlight, which we all love, because you, you never had batteries in your flashlight work at home. Now you always have it. You can adjust it up and down. I use it for everything. I put it on, and I keep my phone in my back right pocket, and all the time I'll you know, use my phone, I'll put it in my pocket, and my kids will say, Dad, your flashlight's on in your back pocket again. <laughs> I know I'm embarrassing them. That's my job. No one puts a flashlight on and sticks it in their back pocket. Oh, I get it. I get it. No one puts a lamp under a basket. Put it on a lampstand. It gives light for all those to see. The Son of God is telling a joke. Using humor. See, the sole purpose of the lamp is to give light to see. Because light is the absence of darkness. Just like a city on a hill is illuminated, this light can never be hidden. It's a light that all would see. Jesus gives a clear definition of what it means to be his disciple. To be a disciple of Christ, you are salt and you are light. But he doesn't end there. He continues in his very teaching in verse 16, and he reveals actually what salt and light is supposed to do. Salt and light has a job. Salt and light has a purpose. And, and he goes on. So verse 16, he says, salt and light, you are light. Let it shine before all men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That, that, that it should flow from our lives, those things. That as we encounter others in their lives before them, they, they would be encountered by that love of who he is in our life. That we'd be glowing with his love in our life. And that we bring it into others. And, and as we bring it to others, they will see these things. And, and as a result of that, it says it will glorify your Father in heaven. How many of us want to glorify our Father in heaven? Amen? Amen. Let your light shine before all men, and you will glorify your Father in heaven. Don't hide it in your back pocket. It has a purpose. Incredible kingdom purpose that we, we, we get to be part of. So being light means this. Light brings awareness, knowledge, and understanding so that followers of Christ can be a witness to others. So light comes, and, and light, light reveals darkness, right? All of a sudden, if you can't see a thing, light comes. Now an awareness comes. Because when you're in darkness, guess what? You have no what? Awareness. Problem is when you're lost, you don't know how lost you are. And the second problem is you didn't have your cell phone with you to find your way out. You can get on your GPS. And sometimes that's not working. And then someone comes into your life and that light comes, awareness comes. Then knowledge and understanding this truth begins to be revealed so that the followers of Christ, who we are, when, when that happens to us, that's a witness into others' lives. See, we don't want the world's influence on the church. And Jesus is saying, that this is why it's different. This is why it's counterculture. Because as Christians, as Christ followers, we're called to influence the world. That that somehow we've got this mixed up in some way. And I've shared with you, evangelizing, sharing the good news, just be salt and light. Season someone's life. Bring that into someone. Let the light of Christ that's in you shine into someone else's life. Be that influence. See, the world should be envious of our love of God and love for each other. 
The world should be envious of our desire to serve God and serve others. The world should be envious of our generosity towards God and our generosity towards others. The world should look at the church and the world should hunger and thirst after what we have. But it matters. First, we have to be the salt and light for that hunger and thirst. That, that we have to do that. Jesus gives this action step for us. He says, here's the action step in verse 16. Let it shine before men. That, that this is who you are and let that go before men. They'll see your good works. They'll respond to it and it'll bring glory to your Father in heaven. See, when we have been flavored by the Lord's grace and illuminated by his love for us, the world will desire what we have. And what we have is meant to change the world. Do you understand that power that you have? That, that what Christ in you is meant to be a world changer. And that's why it's so important that each one of us have a role and a part to play. Whether we're pouring it into our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, or our neighbor, or a friend, or someone we're encountering, and how am I seasoning someone else's life, that I have a part to play. I have to let, bring that light in the midst of their darkness because they're lost, and they're hopeless, and they're confused, and they don't know truth, and yet I know these things, so I'm called to bring that into others' lives so they too can find what I've found. They can find this peace unlike anything else could give you in your life. The world can't offer you the peace that we have. The world can't fill that need and that void, but Jesus can. And we've found that, and we know that to be true, and we've encountered that. We're to illuminate others. We're to come into others and, and share that very good news because we've been flavored by that grace. We've been illuminated by his love. And we call it to go show it. As disciples, we're these vessels, these conduits of Jesus. And as these vessels, we're filled with the indwelling of the Spirit of God in us. Do you understand that power that's in you? Christ in you. The indwelling Spirit of God is in you to be that salt and light to others. As disciples, we are the salt of the earth to season, to purify, to preserve, but really to cure all those who are in decay. Because there's those around us who are in decay and they're in darkness. As disciples, we are the light of the world and we're called to bring those who are in darkness into his eternal light. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, help us in those areas of our life where maybe we just, Lord, have been stuck and we need to get unstuck. Because we know your truth and your truth has brought freedom into our lives. And Lord, we know that you want to use us and you give us uh, marching orders, action steps to move forward and be that light of the world. So, Father, I pray that let it illuminate. We've been salted by your grace and love. Let us bring that to others and, 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 Lord, start that conversation with others in our lives. Lord God, move and work in our way that, that we never thought you could. Let us be a vessel and use us mightily, we pray. Now, if you're here this morning and, and it starts with that relationship of who he is, you, that you won't know what that means unless you first came into that relationship. And to come to that relationship means I'm going to turn from the ways I've been in the world without putting Christ first in my life and saying, Lord, I surrender, that my plan stinks and hasn't worked 
It's empty, it's shallow, and I need you to come into my life. And by grace, through faith, he, he comes in, he gives us his gift of not just life now, but he gives us a gift of eternal life. But we have to call upon his name and ask him to come in. And, and if you're here and you don't know him in that way, it starts with that. And then in that moment that you ask him in, our lives are radically transformed by his love for us. And if you want to know him in that way and have your life radically transformed, I want to pray with you. If you'd like to pray with me to know him that way, just raise your hand right now and we'll pray together. Just ask the Lord into your life that way. Well, Father, we just pray for our loved ones, for our children, our spouses, our siblings, and our neighbors, and our co-workers. And Father, we pray that teach us what it means to be salt and light. Father, we want to be a church that illuminates all the villages and towns and all those around us that they will know your love for them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue to worship the Lord and taking up our offerings. So let's walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself as a sacrifice for us all.